Good. Just wanted to make sure all the turbulence died down a little bit. <clears throat> it's glad to, I'm glad to be back here. Um, Isaac asked me to preach a couple months ago. And I was, I was like being in that position of vulnerability. Because you, you ask, you seek and you will find. And I always ask the Lord, what do you want me to what do you want me to teach on? Usually it's stuff that I'm struggling with personally because it's so relatable to many other people. But um, the title of my sermon today is going to be Rejoice in Bearing Fruit. So if you want to write that down. And um, I'm going to start with a scripture here because I like to open things up, make people feel really good and warm and fuzzy. So um, in John 10... 27 through 28, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And we're going to play a, um, a YouTube clip when Liv has it pulled up. We're always like being in like the supermarket or something, and like, I thought my mom was beside me, and like I'll go to like <laughs> grab someone's hand, and it's not my mom. And then you like look up, you're like, oh my gosh, it's not my mom, right? But it's because like you could, there was something that you could feel. Like it, it, there, was a, there was a characteristic, there was a, a trait that didn't feel quite right. And I remember seeing that and I was like, man, like what a cool, like what a cool moment because like those kids are just using senses. And when you shut off, a neat thing about the human body is when you shut off one of the senses, the five senses, it, it, it heightens the others. So blindfolding them and having that, and that's like such an awesome picture or image for us to, to think about how Jesus sees us. He's just waiting for us to trust him, know that like when we go to that quiet place and shut things off, shut the world off, we're always going to be able to find him. And I'm like, man, that's such a cool thing because as human beings, we're so flawed. And in Matthew 7... Um, 7 through 12. It says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who, who ask him? So when everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law of the prophets. And then at the end of um, Matthew 7, verse, uh, verse uh, 19 and 20, it says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the, into the fire. Thus, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. And I, reading through Matthew there just kind of saves some time because we're going to go into a different segment here. But even knowing, knowing how flawed we are as human beings, like if someone were to tell me that I, that I had to like put a metric to how much I love my children, it, we, would, we would all say like there's no number, right? Like, if, like how much do you love your kids? Write a number down. That, that number represents how much you love your kids. You'd be like whatever the number signed for infinity is, right? Because you, you, you love them more than anyone could ever put words to. And as us being flawed humans and sinners, 
If we love someone like those kids love their mom and those moms love their kids, how much more does our Father in heaven love us? And like to see some imagery behind that, it's like, man, just faith of a child and the fact they can recognize and like their sight's turned off, like that's exactly how I need to seek the Lord. So um, we have a, <clears throat> a group text with Isaac and a couple other guys and we're talking about in John 5, 1 through 26, you can pull this up. This is uh, the healing at the pool of Beth- Bethesda. I think that's how they said on Google to pronounce it. So Isaac had sent out this text and was like, you know, let's read about this, this pool and what was happening here and see if anybody kind of gets a deeper revelation on it. So we're going to read through this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now they're in Jerusalem near the sheep, sheep gate, of, near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something else may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does, yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one. He's entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Now, as with... almost every other time that I've read a a biblical passage or a story, 
I could think back and collect some cliff notes and bullet point out like what, what I retained. But when I was studying, studying this deeper, there's tons of like shadows and types, and there's imagery within all sorts of places in the Bible, which is why being in the Bible is awesome. Because you can hear a story and just be like, I never even knew that. So in looking at this, we started talking about it as a group and talking about how there's a guy who was laying there and he was incapable of getting into this pool to be healed because he was, you know, for lack of a better term, like paraplegic, paralyzed man. He couldn't get in there. So Jesus was able to heal him because of the fact that he was in a place of reception. He could receive healing. And the reason why is because he was at a place of rest. He didn't know anything else. He didn't, he'd, I, don't think, I don't think he had ever even experienced what acti activity or being active meant because he was unable to do it. So it was easy for Jesus to have a conversation with somebody like that rather than you know, somebody who's like juggling 10 balls in the air because there's too, mu too much distraction going on. So in relating this to society today, this guy who had been there every day, like imagine going somewhere that you go every single day and you see this guy lying next to this pool and you're like, man, this guy's helpless, for, like actually helpless. I see him here all the time. He's in the exact same spot because he can't move. And then one day you see him walking with the mat that he is typically lying on. <clears throat> and the first thing that these people said was, who told you to get up and walk with your mat? Like they accused him. Like, like apply it to your life today. Could, like, can you imagine that? Can you imagine overlooking a miracle to be cynical? Can you imagine overlooking this guy and he's walking around being active and like completely healed but instead of being encompassed by this miracle you want to you want to throw law at him tell him who told you to get up and walk who told you you could pick up your mat and walk around on the sabbath so there's tons of depth to this and i'm not going to get into all of it because <clears throat> you could do several sermon series on this passage alone but the reason that Jesus, I, I'm a firm believer that the reason that Jesus healed so many people on the Sabbath was because the Sabbath was something that he was trying to stand against. And in today's society, we still have people who are believers in a Sabbath, which they think is Sunday, but it's not even Sunday. And we have people in, this, in our Northwest Ohio area of the world who think that if you work on a Sunday, that like there's like a curse, or that they're, that you're not being Christian, or that you're not following the way of the Lord? And when you look back at the stuff like this, you, you you think deeper into it. Okay, yeah, he healed a guy who was by this pool, but why? I think it's because Jesus always wanted to stand out, and then he was able to talk about it. He was able to say, like, look at these are the things I'm doing. You can even do these things and greater things. Change that guy's life for the rest of his life. And for that guy to, I mean, for that guy to be walking around, like you would think that everybody would be like giving him a hug. Man, where did you who healed you? You know, like show me. Show me the direction. Who healed you? This is amazing. But instead, like, they criticized him. Who told you to get up and walk? 
like almost like he had been faking it. So <clears throat> I started looking into that, and there was got a ton, ton of revelation. And one thing that I've struggled with personally is any time that you have something good happen to your life, it's a struggle to share it in a way that others are going to receive it. So as human beings, like we focus so much on performance and we focus so much on you know, being humble, but also like being successful. It's kind of a double-edged sword. And I always wondered like why that was, but it's like the, more, the better you do, the more people want to throw salt at it. The more people want to like bring up insecurities or they want to like tear you down or bring up something that's going to try and take away from your success. And, and, and that can, success in any form, right? Not just, not just um, monetary form. This isn't like, oh, I, once I had $100, now I have a million. No, it's like any type of success that you see in your life, spiritual, mental, could be something with a career, something with a relationship. I've always struggled with the fact that, like, how do you share that in love without being in a position of bragging or being in a position of arrogance? And so sometimes I'll refrain from actually sharing because I don't want to be, to be misconstrued. So I've really been focusing on that a lot lately where... <clears throat> how do you share the blessings that you get to operate in in all the areas in, in your, of your life that Jesus has touched while also telling someone like, hey, this, is, this can happen to you on, on the same scale. It might just look a little bit different. It could happen to a greater scale. But not sharing isn't the way that Jesus wants us to do. And so that, I, I'm in a position of learning how to do that. And I'm not sure what it looks like yet, but I know that it needs to be delivered to the P2, a receptive audience. So you guys are that receptive audience today. <coughs> Congrats. Um, so I want to read from Romans 12, 9 through 21. Isaac sent me this this morning, and it was so fitting. <coughs> Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord, be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to be associated with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. So there's two areas in there that I highlighted. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And then at the end it says, but overcome evil with good. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So in <clears throat> preparing for this, I 
I was thinking like, you know, I, I go into every situation and I think like, how, how might I be perceived here? Like, I, thank you, Jesus, for speaking through me. Thank you, Lord, that I can be conduit to the church and that whatever the Holy Spirit is leading me to deliver, I deliver that message with you in mind, Lord. Like, help these people see you through me. So, big guy on, per- on perception, on perspective, how something's going to be viewed. When I think of this, I think of, you know, when we share about success stories and praise reports, that needs to be held at a higher standard. That needs to be held at, as, as our banner in a gymnasium. I told Isaac last night, I said, dude, why do you think these gymnasiums and all of these like, sports arenas hang up banners? And the Lord had, like, had given me that message in my head because it's not, it is pride. Like You are very proud of the accomplishment that you just achieved. But those banners hang there forever. And those banners hang there for decades, for generations, because I believe it allows us to keep our eyes on what can be achieved. And oftentimes we find ourselves very quick to tell someone when we have a bad experience or a bad service opportunity, hey man, I was just just at Dairy Queen, you wouldn't believe how long I had to wait in line. Then they got my order wrong. I said no tomato, and like there's tomatoes everywhere on the sandwich. I mean, go to any what's happening in blank town Facebook page, and you'll get tons of reviews. I would, I would, I would be, if I'm a betting man, I would bet that it's at least nine to one negative to positive. And we're human beings, right? So like this, that's how our flesh works. If someone scorns us, dude, we'll tell so many people about it. But if we have a good experience, like how often do you get in your car after leaving a good customer service experience and then you call someone, you're like, yo, I just had the best time. This guy was so nice to me. But, you know, other end of the other side of the coin, we have a bad experience. We'll hop on Facebook real quick might tag an airline, who knows, like, can't believe you guys lost my bags, but if I have a good flight, you think I'm going to get on my Twitter and be like, thanks, Delta, as always, great flight. I won't, right? So I'm guilty of it too. But what I want us to get to a point, I want our entire church to get to a point where we can share praise reports of any type. Smallest thing to the largest thing. And that, that's, that's, that's how you take it personally. Dude, like, like, I personally struggle with biting and picking my nails. It's, like, annoying, right? Like, like, I, like, like I tell myself all the time, I'm going to beat this. I'm not going to pick my nails or bite my nails. Like, I'm not, I, I, I can beat this. It's, it's stupid, right? I'm in sales. Like, people look at my hands. look gross all the time. Like, what am I doing? Why are my hands in my mouth? Why, why am I picking my nails? Then, like, I pick it too far back, and, like, then it hurts. It gets underwater, and I'm like, I did this to me. What, what is wrong with me, right? Like, 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 little things like that. Like, what if all of a sudden my nails grew? Dude, I'd be like, praise report, my nails grew. <laughs> like, that matters to me because, like, I, and then I turn around, I tell my daughters, don't pick your nails. Who am I? <laughs> like, who am I? I'm the worst, like, like, and when I say it, like, it leaves my mouth, and then I'm just, and while I'm, like, picking my nails, I'm like, don't. Pick your nail, 
But I'll, you know, it's like, dude. So it's, it can be the smallest thing, but one thing that, I, that I've noticed is we struggle, not as just our church, but the church of Christ. We struggle with sharing praise report. And it's because of how is it going to be perceived? How is it going to be received? But if there's any body that should be reinforcing encouragement in giving you praise for the smallest or greater achievements that you're having and you prayed for, and these are things that we prayed for, if we can't celebrate that, what are we doing? We should be hanging banners. But what do we do? We fill up, if we, we just re- reintroduce this bulletin, I promise you, if I went around, especially if we sent out an email, but if I went around secretly and said, you got anything else to pray for? Everybody would be like, yeah, I got it. We'd have 100 bullet points, prayer requests. What does that look like on the other side? How many success stories? How many praise reports? If we had a praise report area, right? So lucky for you guys, we're going to get to share those today. We're going to bring a mic around. You're going to share praise reports. And I don't care if it's the smallest thing. I had a headache for two days. It went away. Praise God. If we don't start sharing how God's working in our life, let's pack it up. Because this is not attention anonymous. You don't come here just to, get, just to do pray, prayer requests. We don't do that. How, why would I request that you pray for me if I have nothing to show that it works or not? That, that, that's lunacy. You need to be surrounded by a body of believers that support you and support what you're going after, and you should be able to, to, to share what those things that you want to be prayed for, but in praying for those things without any, having any feedback on how it went or not, we're not, we're not serving each other to our maximum potential. One thing we do we try and do is sit down as a family and eat dinner. And I learned this, I think we were watching a movie or something, and I, and I learned this from, this from this movie. But it said, you know, the guy sits down, dad's at the table, you know, I got my wife and my three daughters, and before we eat, we pray. And then we go around and we do highs and lows. I'm sure people have heard about highs and lows around here, right? I go around and say, Willa, give me something, give me a high and a low today. Something, you know, your low is something that wasn't so spectacular that you wish you could have turned around. It was just not a great moment. But then give me a high moment. What was one of your better moments today? So we go around and we give a high and a low. Just a way to share about your day. Because everybody knows if you ask the blanket statement of how was your day, good. What'd you learn? Nothing. Right? So we go around and we, we get, make it a little more specific. If we call this the family room, and we're a family, right? <clears throat> Imagine going around. Like right, right now, typically like within the church body, we go around and we're like, Danny, give me a low. Thank you for your low. Jerry, your turn, give me a low. We never highlight how God's working in our life. Unless someone's like specifically called to come up here and like get on the mic and be like, just want to let you know that ankle pain I had, it's gone. Praise God. That's what our church should be about. And if there's anything that I ever want to embody, it's 
I'm the guy who's going to be like, I'm always called to do this. I always feel a great calling on my life to like, I need to incorporate this into every sermon. But it, it, there's nothing that I'd rather be associated with more than bringing encouragement and positivity and praise report. Because I, I want to be the guy who you tell, hey man, you never guessed this, I got it promoted. Dude, that's awesome, praise God. Thank you Jesus for your promotion. Remember when we prayed for that? Or if it's something that we didn't even pray for, but something that just happened. Because God works in mysterious ways, right? We pray for things all the time. I pray for things constantly that people don't know about. But if we're not going to share praise reports, how can you encourage each other? When I see a banner up there that, oh man, they won a, cha they won a state championship last year, we can do that too. We can do that too. Like it, it stirs up that belief in me. It stirs up that faith inside of me. Oh, okay. Look at all, look at all those accomplishments that are in the ceiling. I, we can do that too. Then that's how I would react if I saw that guy who had been lame for years next to that pool. Whoa, where did you get that? Who's healed you? What happened? What did you drink? What did you eat? Tell me exactly what happened. So instead of being cynical and being like, oh, it must be nice for that guy to walk around, Let's change the narrative and be a praise report focused church. In order to do that though, we're gonna have to come up with a couple different praise reports. So who's first? Raise your hand. And I, I've had several conversations, so if we don't get hands up, I'll come around and, and, and tell you exactly what you're gonna say. <laughs> oh, by the way, Adrian's gonna notate these so we can like start making a list. good? There we go. I have a bunch of little ones, but I'll just stick to the one that was most exciting. Um, after 15, almost 15 weeks of having not much that I was capable of doing, I was able to stand up on my own, my not so great leg, and get in and out of the shower without having to sit or crawl to get to it. So that was really <laughs> exciting. Yeah, praise God. Thank you, Jill. So a year ago, a little over a year ago, I took a leap of faith and took a position on night shift. Whoever's, who's worked night shift? Anybody? It's a struggle. Tired all the time. Never feel like you're awake. I took it for one reason. Knowing that God had something better for me. If I took this step of leap of faith, the next door would open. I start tomorrow morning on first shift. Praise God. Dude, that's awesome. Thank you. Who's next? This corner's done? Thank you. Come on, man. I'll let you go first. Uh, this is definitely a praise report. Um, Paula's dad went in for what was supposed to be gallbladder uh, removal surgery, and when they hooked him up to the machines, he was in AFib. Um, they transferred him to Toledo. They did the heart cath and said, hey, you got two of your stents from 2011 that are pretty much plugged up, so he had to have open heart. Um, he's doing well. He made it through, um, and we expect nothing but continued um, improvement in his health. Um, I just ask that we do keep him in prayer because he still does have to have his gallbladder removed. 
Absolutely. Thank you for sharing, Terry. Mine's kind of silly, but I fell the other day at a garage sale, which my husband told me I shouldn't have been at anyways, but <laughs> <laughs> that's beside the point. And I did not break my arm. I only sprained it. So that was a praise report for me. Praise God. About two months ago, we were at a camping trip up in Michigan. And we were just sitting at the campfire, and across the fire from me, my cousin asked me, why didn't you apply for the building official job in Wauseon? And I was like, I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. She's like, well, we haven't had really any applicants, and I think you would be perfect for the job. So I got home on Monday, put in my resume, Tuesday, I had an interview, and then the mayor went on vacation for a week to torture me, I think. <laughs> and um, they came back, she came back, and they offered me the position. And I, I said, said that we had planned a trip to Montana. We were going to be gone for two weeks, and we had already bought our National Parks Pass and everything. And... and um, I just wanted to be able to still take that trip. You know, I knew that I didn't have enough time with the city to even qualify for vacation. I wasn't worried about that. We had saved up for it. And um, they said, yeah, that'll be part of your accepting this offer that we'll put that in the contract. And I was like, all right. So fast forward about a month, no, not even a month, probably two weeks later, I was down with HR and um, told him I wanted to try to make up some hours, you know, because I hadn't gotten a full two weeks on my payday. And they said, well, you don't, you don't have comp time or anything like that. You can't, you're on salary. And I was like, what, what do you mean I'm on salary? They're like, yeah, you're on salary. You don't, you don't have to worry about comp time and stuff. And when I took the job, I told them that I would bring my laptop with me because getting started on a building official job at the city is, it's complex. What'd you say? Awful. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh it is a lot of work. And so there's always people that you got to talk to with email and stuff. And um, so I was like, yeah, I'll bring my laptop and answer emails and stuff. And then after she told me that, well, since you said that you would be kind of like working your two weeks is paid because you'll be working remotely. And I was like, that was such a foreign concept to me. I was like, wait a minute, what? I was like, are you sure? Because I want to call my wife and tell her this, <laughs> and I don't want to have to tell her that this isn't actually true. And, um, and when, when Trey was sharing about, it's, it is a bizarre position because I know that this is from God. I know that this is every thing that I've done in my life as a trade has led me to this position. And, but, and I want to share it with people, you know, I like, this is completely amazing because I would have never, you know, picked this job for me. I, I would have never thought that I would dress up and go to work. I would be like, <laughs> where, 
it was so weird buying clothes that are that aren't terrible. <laughs> and um, so it's nice, you know. And I'm like, how do I do this, God? Like, I want to honor you. And like, even last week, um, they have this big bulletin board in the break room, and people put, you know, nonsensical stuff up there. And I. I've been putting things like, you know, smile or something just real hallmarky, you know. And I was, I was thinking, you know, this isn't going to change anybody's life. This isn't like a big deal. And so um, I was praying about it. I was like, what, should, what do you want me to put on the bulletin board? And it was out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. And I didn't put a reference on it, and I felt like it was gonna be for somebody, and, and I don't even know, I get there before everybody. And um, so it's already on the board when they get there, so God's kinda even having that part of it be um, something that would honor him. And we, we partnered with Crossroads Church, and some of our citizens have trouble getting their lawns mowed, and we wanted to have, or I wanted to have, another option where we could minister to them, and I was able to meet with the representative on that street from Crossroads and prayed with them that, um, that God would bless them and what they're doing for the citizens of Wasian. So it's just been a really fun, neat experience, and... And how do I define it even more in this position? And I'm meeting with Joel Greaser this week. I just talked to Terry Ziegler for quite a while before church. And how can we um, make this a better experience for our builders and be able to, um, instead of going into this, just being, you know, oh, that's code, that's code, you can, you know, and not helping anybody, how can we help our builders make this a better experience in Wasian. And so, and this is all from God. This is all stuff that God's given me, creative yeah. ideas to be able to take this position and make it easier for the guy that replaces me um, years, hopefully, down the road that um, all these things will already be in place. And, and I am a blue-collar guy through and through, and so to have these ideas just thrown on my lap, I know it's from God, and then when the ideas are really big, I start to get nervous about them, and I'm like, you know, God is not going to give you this idea and not also equip you with a way to accomplish it, Amen. so it's just been a really, really cool, and like, literally, I'm sitting here in this meeting with the mayor, and I'm on staff there, and I'm looking around like, you guys have no idea. I'm like, <laughs> I'm completely lost. And, um, but it's really, it's really a neat thing. And I come home with really cool victories that I share with Paula. And the more that these gaps are filled in for me, the less nervous I get. But the more I have to put pressure on God, like, like dude, you need to show up because I don't know what I'm going to say in this meeting. <laughs> And, um, and it's always been good, you know, it's always been good. So I just praise God for that. Praise God, man. Thank you, Danny. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. It's not as cool as his. I'm not sure <laughs> if I should go after him. But so um, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you already know this. But we have been thinking for and praying for the last six months because we have four dogs who are our babies. And... Four dogs was never our plan. It just happened. 
We rescued one because someone found it on the side of the road. The plan was that we were always going to rehome him, and we have never done that. Um, so when TJ started racing, of course, we started traveling. We're not home as much. I have an awesome house sitter who comes over and takes care of the dogs. She stays there all weekend with them, so that's cool, but it's starting to get a little pricey. Um, so we've just been praying for about six months. What do, we, what do we do? Because, one, it's not fair to them that we're not there. And I think this sounds silly after what you said about pets. I mean, this is just about our pets, but oh, no. I think it's cool because God worked in this. So I just decided, because most of the time, if you put something out on Facebook, you get hammered about rehoming a pet because they're supposed to be your family member, and, and they are. They really are, and that's why we decided that this was the best thing for us to do. So we have a little Maltipoo that I, we've been praying about rehoming, and then one of our pit bulls. And um, my cousin, who I haven't seen since my dad passed away, so it was about 15 years. She's my second cousin. She lives in South Carolina, and she sent me a message, and she's like, I would love to have Winston. And she, but like I said, she lives in South Carolina. She's like, how can we get this to happen? And I'm like, well, we're not going to be in North Carolina until October, so I'm not sure. So she's like, okay, I'll get back to you. So her husband, I found out her husband works for American Airlines. Um, so she messaged me back, and she's like, hey, can you, are you close to Toledo? And I'm like, yep. So she's like, could you meet me at the Toledo airport? And I could pick him up and bring him back home. And I'm like, we could, yes. And we found out American doesn't fly to Toledo. So she's like, okay, I don't know where we're going. I said, try Detroit or Fort Wayne. I can, those are pretty close places that I could go. So she found flights in both places. But because of the ticket that she gets, um, she can only fly if that seat is unpaid. So she doesn't have to pay for this ticket, but she can only fly if there's no one sitting in a seat. So... We took that chance. Um, she flew to Detroit, so she flew from Charlotte, got right on the airplane. Um, I met her. They sent me a ticket so I could go to the gate and meet her there because the turnaround was immediate. She was getting on that same plane and going back to Charlotte, so she had no time to come to security. So I met her at the gate, and um, um, she was able to get right back on that flight and go right back to South Carolina with Winston. Um, she has not had a pet in about 10 years. Her husband works third shift. So it's the perfect thing for her in her life right now that she needed a companion. And Winston was the perfect companion for her. So she said, I'm sorry to uh, make you go through all this. I'm like, listen, I'm out for an adventure. I don't mind. I like doing this kind of thing. I'm like, how can we get this done? You know, this is the kind of thing I like. I said, but I will tell you something. Had we been racing this weekend, I would have never been able to do it. So we prayed for six months. The right person came that needed his companionship. Um, the tickets worked out to get her to get on the flight and off of and back on the flight and get back home. And I talked to her last night and they are doing wonderful. That's so awesome. just in the little, little things that yeah. you don't even think you're not sure. Well, does he really care about this? He does. He, he does. absolutely does. Like sometimes I think people, like some people might think it's silly to pray for a pet. I don't because they're our family members and I know what God does. Right. So this was just another confirmation. I asked, he answered, and I believe. So just whatever he's asking or whatever you want to ask, he'll yeah. answer. So. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. We got...
Thank you. I have been praying for the past six years that my best friend will be able to see God and feel him just like how I do, and today she is here beside me. Oh, man, that's awesome. Praise Jesus. That is awesome. Thank you for visiting. And thank you, Grace, for sharing Christ with her. That's awesome. Uh, Papa and I have been talking back and forth, and he told me to just look for daily little things, so what people might think are silly. Kurt went to the cardiologist on Wednesday. That has nothing to do with this, but a little bit of it. Um, we were trying to juggle helping all our kids all the time, and Katie had an appointment for 11 puppies at, at 3.15. His appointment was at 2.30, and I said, you know what? We're going early. If this is going to work, it works. If not, we sat down at 2.20 in a cardiologist's office. Just as we sat down, they took us in. We got all this stuff done. We were out of there, and we were able to get to Katie's by 3.10 from Defiance. And I said, only God with a doctor's appointment. Only God. Yes. Praise God. Just remember, he's a God of surprises. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Yes, ma'am. I got to go out and pull weeds. Not sound like much, but it's great for me. I got to go dig in the dirt. Hey, that's awesome. <laughs> Praise God. Nothing? As we said this morning, I just want to praise the Lord for grandkids and the blessing that they bring to anybody that's ever had any grandkids. It's just, it's a God's gift to grandpa and grandmas. And I just thank the Lord for the baby we had this morning and everything went well. And I just pray, praise God for that. And I just thank him for my son that's going to be having one that the doctor said that he wouldn't ever be able to have one, but God has Praise God, God he has man. other answers. Absolutely. Praise so, God. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. So I have been praying. I always pray for my kids, but um, my son, I always felt was always holding back when it came to like worship and God and since Grace Camp, I have seen a big breakthrough in him um, and being more bold and, and, and courageous and opening up to God. So I'm grateful for that. Amen. Praise God. That's awesome. Thank you. I am grateful that... Um, my dad, of 97 years old, is able to join us on Sundays um, at our family, and I think that we all consider him part of the Rock family, and I'm grateful for that. Amen. Praise Jesus. Nobody? Thank you. This is... This is Faith right here. She's doing two. 
I was just thinking um, last year sometime, I don't remember what month it was, we had uh, a lady in our neighborhood pass away and the house was for sale. And in the neighborhood we live in, it's very 1950. You know, the kids run around, they go to different houses, they know where all the snack drawers are. Um, it's just a very awesome, wonderful, close-knit little community. So we were in prayer over who was going to move into the new house because you don't want to upset the apple cart, right? And uh, <laughs> we're like, Lord, you know, give us somebody. And Olivia um, has been playing with boys for years now because our neighborhood is predominantly boys, most of them younger than her. So she's been a really good sport. And... Uh, our new neighbors, lo and behold, um, that we prayed for, we prayed that they would have some girls for Olivia to relate with. They have a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old, um, both girls. Um, they are Christians. They're from Canada. Um, and they work in the tomato industry, in the greenhouse industry. Wow. Um, and... Uh, the wife actually rode on one of the tomato planters for one of the farmers that Ben works with. I mean, this whole huge connection. And we have been so blessed by them. Um, we have a lot of the same likes, um, a lot of the same love for, for the Lord. And it's just been a blessing. We Bible journal on Mondays. We um, get together and, and do different things. And it has just been such a blessing to have that connection, for Olivia to have that connection um, and uh, be able to grow in that. And I just thank God because they're who we prayed for completely. So thankful for that. Thanks for sharing. That's amazing. There's no, there's no praise report that's too small or meaningless, even though that's what our flesh tells us. Um, it's the little victories that we share that keep all of us reinforced that we can see stuff like that. And what I've tried to do, like an implement, implement in my own life, is so many times, like, we'll have something not go the way that we want it to go, and we're very quick to call that out. Oh, you know, this, all, this stuff always happens to me. Of course this happened to me. Like, we're, we're all guilty of that. I, I'm just as guilty. Um, being around people and being in, a, in an environment where that's prevalent can do what? Can change our heart too, right? We're a product of our environment. Bad company corrupts good character. This shouldn't be, this should not be an anomaly. Sharing praise reports should not be weird. Sharing praise reports should be very, very normal. And I understand there's discretion on who you share your, share your success with and your praise reports with. Don't want to throw our pearls to the pigs, and I get that. That's wisdom. But here and within a body of aligned believers who are finished work believers, and we know Jesus operates in our life, we should be able to share praise reports, and we should be able to share them boldly. So I appreciate anybody who shared. We should keep doing this. And I hope that you guys feel that it is just as acceptable and encouraged to come up here and share us praise report as it is to ask for prayer. So thank you so much. I'm going to pray for us real quick, and then 
we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get out of here. Thank you, Lord Jesus, just for bringing us here today. We're so thankful that we have receptive hearts that can hear your Holy Spirit. We just know, Lord, that we have your wisdom, favor, provision, and prosperity. Thank you, Jesus, that you go out before us, that you ready the hearts, you ready the ears, you ready the spirits of people that we're going to interact with. We just thank you, Lord, for impact. We can each make an impact, not for Revelation Rock specifically, but for your church, Lord, that we would be able to have a stirring in other people's hearts, that we can talk to them, that we can align with them, that we can stand with them, not only in prayer requests, but we can stand with them and celebrate and rejoice with praise reports. Just thank you, Lord, that you always hear us from the smallest thing, the smallest request, to what we might see as a, as a major request. Thank you, Jesus, for a great week. Thank you for supernatural protection over this church and for allowing us to act as conduit, Lord, for all of the things and all of the seeds that you want to plant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.